Okay, the biggest myth, and I still see it everywhere, is that large, I'm a small consulting company. I mean, I'm about to grow, but even my growth is going to be like 10 employees working on computers. Um, I'm not going to be in the large conglomerate. But the larger consultants or people that that just want to make the money, they make a promise of take our model, you know, of learning consulting and you'll make 10,000 in a month or 10,000 in three months. Sometimes they promise more. The truth is, even if you work, because I work in a world of middle, middle income individuals, like they're not wealthy, but they're not poor. Um, but even if you work at the top, top incomes and come in as a consultant, no good consulting agency makes 10 grand in a month. Hi, everyone. This is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Expert. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, uh, Jessica Gold. And uh, Jessica, uh, or we're going to be talking about a few things, including the art of, the art of persuasion and doing it well, and uh, when you are uh, pursuing new customer or new clients, how to keep an open mind uh, while uh, keeping on your message, um, and also uh, knowing when you should collaborate, and maybe when you shouldn't, and uh, the things that you should do internally versus collaboration. So it should be a uh, great, uh, great uh, conversation. And with that much as a uh, introduction, welcome on the podcast, Jessica. Hi, Devin. Thank you so much for having me. Um, as you mentioned, I run Jay Gould Consulting. I'm a legislative consultant who helps anyone who works within the disability community get legislation through the state of California and across the country um, through several different options. Um, at the end of this podcast, I will simply tell you my website where people can go. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Excited to have you on. And so so with that, um, kind of to, to kick things off, uh, you know, one of the things that I think is everybody in theory understands, but not oftentimes there maybe executes on quite as well as the art of persuasion. So there's a lot of books out there. There's a lot of, you know, coaching. There's a lot of, uh, I'm sure, podcasts and everything else of people talking about how you can be persuasive and how you can do it. And yet, I think there's a, a lot of times a gap between trying to persuade someone being versus actually being persuasive. So maybe walk us through a little bit as uh, from your perspective, how do you go about, you know, kind of being more persuasive or, or you know, working on it to, to bridge that gap? So this is going to sound kind of funny to your audience and it sounds funny to anyone who I say this to, but the trick to being really good at persuasion is to stop trying. So if you think about, like, let's say there's a major client you want to land in for your business. And if you think about, I have to persuade them, I have to persuade them, I have to persuade them. You're going to trip yourself up, number one. And number two, you're going to turn into the 1950s salesman kind of mentality where you're like, 
Yes, ma'am. This is the greatest product you'll ever, you want to stay away from that kind of cheesy delivery. So the first thing I tell people is from your first meeting, walk in with the mentality of getting to know the client. Your goal is not to sell them a product from the beginning. Your goal is to get to know them. And then from their feedback of what they're looking for, they already took the meeting with you. So you ask, what are you looking for? How, how can our business serve you? You let them answer. And then from based on their answers, you give them feedback. This is an art of persuasion because you're actually listening to what they want and then analyzing inside your mind how your business can fulfill their needs. They feel heard and they feel validated. Hmm. So now, so and, and so, what do you think are the maybe the impedances or hindrances? Because I think in theory, people think, okay, yeah, you listen to the client, kind of get to know them, establish a rapport, listen to what their needs are. And yet too often people kind of overlook that or, you know, jump past it. So kind of what do you think are the reasons why so, people, yeah, go ahead. There's a valuable skill that most people have heard of this. They don't know what it means. It's called active listening. So as you're listening to the client, you have to do what's called active listening versus passive listening. Active listening is where you're hearing them and thinking about what they're saying. Passive listening is where you're hearing them, but thinking about your response instead. And there are books on active listening. People can take courses. I'm fortunate to have that as a natural skill. Not everybody does, um, but there are books out there for active listening skills. And that's actually what you're using when you're talking to people. The active listening skill versus passive listening. No, makes sense. And so, so you know, if let's say you're a individual, maybe that you know it, it doesn't naturally come with you. You like to talk. You you know you're maybe not as good of a listener or anything of that. Kind of any i or any tips or ways that you can go about kind of so, becoming a better active listener. So if you are the person on the calls but you're not the active listening type. Um, it's better, even if you, I mean, you don't have to be a large business to do this either, to have another individual on the call who is good at that skill. I mean, there's tricks to get around. You can offer internships to people. If you're a really tiny business and you don't have the capital, um, or you can offer it on a six-month basis. There's a bunch of ways to get assistance for things like that and find people with those specific skills and let them know, like let the client know from the beginning, this is so-and-so, they're here to help us help you, right? So you're, you're nodding along, you're responding the way you would respond. And then what that person does is they're the active listener. So they may, in the meeting, confirm what they're saying. 
or even do a follow-up email after the meeting. So the person again feels validated. <laughs> Something along the lines of thank you very much for meeting us with us today. This is what we understand you need. Here are some solutions we provided. How does that sound? Would you like to continue? No, I think that uh, definitely, and I like the idea sometimes, you know, if you're not the person that's always the best active listener, or sometimes you're not the one that innately has that skill set, having someone else there to work alongside of you to, you know, kind of even whether it's, you know, kind of provide that guidance or just that, uh, that uh, additional assistance on that and kind of learn from them. It's uh, definitely a great, uh, great way to, I think, uh, go about accomplishing, uh, yeah. gaining that skill as well. Now, one of the other things that you taught or touched on, I think that goes right along with it is, you know, as you're pursuing, you know, new customers, new clients or potential clients, you know, you kind of have this balance of you have to stay open minded, then you have to be able to, you know, listen to them and you have to or, or be willing to consider new things that you maybe haven't previously considered. But by the same token, you also want to stay on message, stay on brand and otherwise not just let the you know, potential client movie around to all different aspects or to, in directions that don't make sense. So how do you kind of keep that balance of uh, keeping that <clears throat> open mind while also staying on message? Well, I can give you an example of how I've had to do that in my past. Um, I deal with quite severe social issues in regards to the disability community and underserved populations. Some, um, but there are limits to what I can handle as a company, what I handle. And someone in a large, large meeting said, you handle X, X, and X, what about? And they added another layer to what I could handle. And I openly had to say, that's beyond what I can even do. Hmm. Um, so sometimes when your client like, let's say you're discussing things, especially the larger, more complex issues of the world that, that aren't simple. Nothing simple, but there's other things that are intertwined with each other. If you ever deal in healthcare, anything serving people, it's all intertwined in a bunch of different systems. So the first thing you have to know is that if you're hearing them talk about something that is beyond your company purview, let them finish their sentence and then very politely say, this is outside our purview because no one knows everything and no one can do everything, mm -hmm. but it's you knowing as an owner or as a person working for, for an agency, what your limit is. No, I think that's uh, definitely a, a good takeaway. You know, it is a hard balance, especially if you're just getting started, you're just getting going. On the one hand, you're wanting to take on any work just because it pays the bills. And yeah, on the other hand, if you're not careful, it pushes you outside of that area that you're the, the most skilled at, you're able to provide the most value and otherwise, you know, service your clients. And so it's kind of one of those I like that, you know, you listen, you can, you certainly want to be polite, take it into consideration, but then uh, make sure that it stays within the, the areas that you're able to, to best serve your clients. So that's uh, definitely a, a great piece or a great uh, piece of advice. Yes. And I could also tell people that I've had to decline jobs um, or consulting work because I'm the wrong person for the job or my company is. 
And it's actually better to do that as a company than risk trying to do something that you're completely in the dark on because it can damage your reputation permanently. Yeah, and I said, you know, the worst thing is, is if you you promise that you're going to deliver on something and then all your, because you're not, you know, you don't have the skill set, you haven't done it before. In other words, then you under deliver and, you know, provides that bad reputation and otherwise, you know, can hamper the business, even though you're just trying to get it, get the income in and, and make it successful. But I think that's a, definitely a, a great consideration as well. Yeah. Now, I mean, eventually the, oh, the income will come. That's the one thing they have that people have to remember is that income will come when people find you out hmm. and you do get the jobs that match. Now, kind of along that uh, note a bit, one of the other things that we chatted about is, you know, the idea of collaboration and sometimes, hey, if you think if it's not within your wheelhouse, maybe it's not something that you're uh, comfortable doing. Maybe you go out and you collaborate with someone else or you work with them or you partner with them and you leverage everybody's different skill sets in order to um, be successful and to, to be able to provide the best services, even if it's not coming from you. So walk us through a little bit, because one of the other things that you said that I think uh, certainly makes sense is, you know, sometimes it's better to do it internally, whether it's you figure out those skill sets, you bring people on board or you otherwise develop it. And other times it's better to, to go out and collaborate and otherwise work with someone else that uh, maybe already has that skill and already has that, um, or, you know, that experience. So how do you go about balancing when to collaborate, when to do it in, you know, when to collaborate, not collaborate or when to do it internally? Okay, believe it or not, all this, everything we've talked about all ties together. So uh, from that first meeting and you're hearing the clients to then you go um, internalize and see what you, the skill set is available in your agency. And if you have, I always, always recommend having outside collaborators. And these aren't people you pay. These are people within your field that you may go to a LinkedIn cocktail hour, for example, and meet people also doing the work. And you guys have different ideas, but on a similar line, have those emails in hand and you can generally state I'm facing X. Do you have any ideas on how to do that? Or how should I handle this? Um, so it's from that very first meeting, if they're stating something where you're like in your head or like it, with your team listening to the client and saying, this is beyond us, but we may know people, you can reach into your, I call it the network. You're, it's like having a 50 employees that aren't your employees. It's just people you know that could possibly answer that question. Um, I can explain a little bit on how I handled this in my business. Sure, go ahead. Um, I'm a sole proprietor, so it means it's just me currently. But from the first day before I even opened my business in 2019, I went out to every organization that serves the disability population on a state level and emailed every single one of them asking if down the line, if I 
never needed to. Could I reach out to them and collaborate or point people in their direction? And most of the time, especially if they're organizations that are just doing this because it's governmental entity or it's like just part of the job of helping people, they get ecstatic when people actually reach out to them. They're like, oh, you're going to send people our way? We need people to have this information. So I actually built my network of collaborators hmm. before I even opened my company. But there are people in every single industry that are like that, that usually are like, they've been in it for so long that people kind of just accept them for being there and they become the background. You're no longer in the forefront. So when people come to them and say, hey, I have a collaboration opportunity and it may just be conversations. They jump at it. Hmm. So do your research in your field to find out who those are and, and one, reach out. You said that I thought was interesting. So you, you'd reached out and even before you'd really got the business, you know, in close up and yes. going here before you were doing, you're already looking for the collaborations and that. So how did you identify Kind of as you're getting your business going and as you're you know or planning ahead in that who to collaborate with or what you even needed as far as collaboration kind of how did you go through that exercise well i studied my industry for several years prior to opening and i volunteered within it for several years on a state level hmm. um so for me that there was that so do your research is my whole point you don't have to volunteer like a I spent seven years volunteering, which is insane. Like no one should spend seven years of their lives doing the equivalent of a 40 hour work week for free. But what that gained me was all these connections that I got to keep. But what you should definitely do is there is an interconnection in every single industry of people that have been working in it for years. And it's one of the reasons why I like LinkedIn, because you can find them. Now you don't, I mean, you don't have to do what I did, where I literally volunteered in a system. You can search LinkedIn by profession, profession and job title, do a connection request, and see if you guys are a good match for collaboration. And it's literally an open exchange of ideas where you're stuck and you need their assistance. No, I think that, uh, you know, and I like that, but I like that, that, you know, that you took this perspective of, Hey, I'm going to, even before coming into, you know, coming onto LinkedIn and, you know, can sometimes condense that timeline of I'm going to put in the time and the effort. And I think that's a lot of times what people don't realize is, you know, you see businesses that are out there that are up and going that are, you know, do being successful and you think, oh, well, they're just an overnight success. So they had a lucky break or, you know, this or that. And yet there's a lot of time that's, uh, you know, built on the, the back end or the beforehand of getting things in place, getting the skills in place and the experience. Absolutely. Collaboration. Absolutely. And it's like I said, it's just a combination of everything I've been talking about throughout this podcast. A business knowing its own strengths, its own weaknesses, it's 
where they can help people and where they need to stop is how I kept on going for as long as I have. Mm. Um, and being honest, I know the prospect of money is what lures a lot of businesses. It's like, you want to make that profit line. And I get that. We all have bills to pay. We all have, you know, um, depending on your size, you have people in the AI and all sorts of things that make your business functional. But it's balancing out profit versus obtaining the goal, whatever that goal is. Yeah. Well, and I said, I think that there's, you know, sometimes it's, there's a, incentive that hey i'm gonna take the quick money or the quick win and yeah it's kind of you know shading the line or it's kind of you know or walking close to it or or over it and so you you know you take the perspective of hey maybe i'll just uh you know do this once or i'll just you know or kind of uh you know won't do it again just to get the business up and going but i think you know to your point in the long run that you know sometimes that quick money or that walking to the gray area can be detrimental rather than uh, beneficial to the business and especially in the long term and while you may get maybe get that money on the short term getting it on the long term is going to be uh you know much more impactful to the business so exactly well now is is we're already uh hitting towards the end of the podcast and i feel like the conversation is just getting going so i'll have to have you back on to, to one of our sister podcasts um but for today's episode as we do wrap up i like to wrap up with the one question so we're going to jump to that now which is um within your industry what is the biggest myth and why is it wrong okay the biggest myth and i still see it everywhere is that large i'm a small consulting company i mean i'm about to grow but even my growth is going to be like 10 employees working on computers um i'm not going to be in the large conglomerate but the larger consultants or people that they just want to make the money. They make a promise of take our model, you know, of learning consulting and you'll make 10,000 in a month or 10,000 in three months. Sometimes they promise more. The truth is, even if you work, because I work in a world of middle, middle income individuals, like they're not wealthy, but they're not poor. Um, but even if you work at the top, top incomes and come in as a consultant, no good consulting agency makes 10 grand in a month by using one technique. They can have a profit of 10 grand, but it's not due to, to a technique. It's not learn this technique and you make $10,000, 20, $30,000. No, I think that it's usual. It's utilizing all the skills that were talked about today to get however many clients you can handle. But no, no one, there's those sales everywhere. That's what I see a lot, and it's a huge myth. No, I think so. I definitely agree with you, and I think that you know that that myth of well, if you just take this one class, you just take you do this one course, you take this one method, and everything will magically, you know, fall in place. You'll have money rain down from the skies. And, you know, I, you know, to your point, there isn't that just this one 
magic bullet that is that works for everybody and you have to or have those different methods avenues that you're going about generating clients generating leads building the business and, and having the patience to do so so i think that's definitely a great piece of advice and a great uh, takeaway so well, now as we uh, wrap up the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Go to my website, jgoldconsulting.com um, and email me. Or you can just Google my business and reach out to us on any of the social medias and you'll get a response. But I always tell people to email me first because right now I check the, so I do social media maybe three times a month. Um, so go to jgoldconsulting.com. jgoldconsultation.com. Sorry, that's my fault. Um, and email me. And I'll, the one thing I can tell everybody is I don't take every case, but I will give you an honest response and I'll try to connect you to people who can help you with your issue. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, support a great business, make a new connection and if nothing else, uh, make a new best friend. So with that, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been fun. It's been a pleasure. Now for all of you other listeners you. that are out there. If you have your own journey to share and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. So let's go to inventiveguest.com. Glad to be on the show. A couple more things as listeners. Make sure to click share, subscribe, leave us a review. Helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses to help this, or share this expertise and help them along their journey to success. And on that note, if uh, along your journey you ever need help with patents or trademarks or anything else to start up your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com. Grab some time with us to chat and we're always here to help. Well, thank you again, Jessica, for coming on the podcast and wish the next thank leg you. of your journey even better than the last. Thank you so much.